Hello, everyone. It's good to be with you for a few minutes today. And uh, today we're going to be starting a new series called Winning at Home and kind of uh, talking about our family relationships. Um, so I got a question for you as we get started on this message today. What is one of the best things that you have gotten from your upbringing? Maybe it was good, a good work ethic from your mom and dad, or maybe a positive uh, attitude. Maybe you just felt loved and supported so you, you feel like you're a secure person. Uh, maybe it's some, some skill that you learned from growing up in, in the home that you grew up in. But what's one of the best, greatest things that you're thankful for that you received uh, as a child, you know, growing up in your home? So think about that for a second. And then uh, kind of the opposite question. What is something, maybe the worst or something that was a bad thing that, that you, you experienced growing up? that has affected you. Maybe uh, something that you're still working through or still dealing with. Uh, maybe it's something you missed, something that was lacking. Maybe it was uh, some harmful you know, behaviors that took place, or um, maybe it was a divorced mom and dad and that really hurt you or uh, you know, hurt your uh, perspective on life. Uh, there's all kinds of different things, but what is there, what is there something in your past and your upbringing that was one of the worst things that you went through that, that might still be affecting you today, okay? That's what I want to talk about today. And today, the, the title of this message is, What's the Problem? <laughs> I know we all have lots of problems, but uh, you know we'll narrow that down a little bit in this message. And I'm praying that God will just speak to our hearts today. Encourage us to not live uh, as a victim, but learn how to live in victory through Jesus today. Because we all want to win it at, at home. We all want a home filled with you know, love and peace and joy. We want to get along with our family members. We, we want to have, uh, we want to have you know, success as a, as a married, uh, in your marriage, married couples, with our children, raising our kids in the ways of God. We want to have all of that, okay? But, uh, but it's hard because the fact of the matter is, most of us did not live or grow up in the environment that taught us how to do it. So we struggle to figure out how to win it at home, how to have these kind of relationships, how to have love, joy, and peace, how to work through conflict and difficulties and, you know, uh, failed expectations and mistakes and sin and all the hurt and harm that happens in our homes. So let's talk about that this morning and pray that God will just give us encouragement uh, and courage, right? Courage to press forward uh, again to to win, to learn how to win at home. I'd just like to start out with a little prayer. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, just uh, thank you for family. Thank you for the gift of uh, parents, the gift of spouses, the gift of children and grandchildren. And uh, Lord, we just pray today that you would just speak to our hearts and help us to learn how to have great family relationships, how to overcome the obstacles and the pain uh, and the barriers that just seem to constantly come between us and our relationships. Give us your wisdom, Lord, encouragement, insight. And God, I pray that uh, each one of us today will just have clarity on an issue or a problem that you want to help solve and resolve in our family lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, here's a memory verse to think about throughout this week. It's actually three verses out of Romans chapter 12, 17, 18, and 21. 
simply says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And these statements are hard to do, especially even in our own homes, isn't it? <laughs> you know, to not repay anyone evil for evil, uh, to be careful, to do what is right in, everyone, in everyone's eyes, uh, to try to live at peace with everyone, to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. I mean, anybody who ha- has more than one child knows how difficult this can be just in our own homes. <laughs> but uh, that is God's uh, desire And I believe that God can inspire us with his Holy Spirit to actually do this, okay? But I want to ask you this question. What are you passing on? And I don't think I have to bore anyone with statistics on how how much our upbringing has affected who we are today. I think we can all just start from there and agree that we have been trained, we have been marked, we have been pressed upon growing up in the environment that we grew up with, with our parents, with our siblings, with the environment that we're at. And for the most part, we are a byproduct of that upbringing, okay? And so my question is, what are you passing on? Because here's kind of my uh, presumption, is that you and I, we have certain beliefs, patterns, attitudes about life, values, habits, maybe even some addictions or behaviors Uh, that, you know, we were just simply trained in growing up, not even necessarily doing it on purpose, but just because we we grew up in it. And that is, by default, how we are living life right now. And so some of those things are good. For instance, maybe, uh, again, at at the outset, you thought of some really good things that you're thankful for that you got when you grew up in in your home. For me, uh, I grew up in a very generous and hospitable home, and I'm very thankful for that. I uh, that's normal to be to me to be generous with people, to be kind with people, to have people over because I grew up in that environment, and yet it's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Some of those things that we were trained in or grew up with, they're kind of neutral. Uh, for instance, whether you're a Michigan fan or a Michigan State fan, you know, uh, I'm a Michigan fan because I grew up in an environment where my family's rooting for Michigan. Uh, but also, I don't hunt or fish as an adult because I didn't do that growing up. That just wasn't a part of our family upbringing. I did sports, and so I love sports, and I'm coaching now. And those are neutral. I mean, I enjoy what I enjoy, but for the most part, probably because that's how I grew up. But then there are those things that are bad. I mean, we're just going to call it like this. They're, they're, they're bad. They're, they're hurtful habits or attitudes or ideas or mindsets that some of us have because of our upbringing. It's just the reality. Uh, maybe uh, you grew up in a home where you saw conflict being handled in very unhealthy ways. Maybe really loud screaming was going on name-calling and words being thrown across a room, maybe other things being thrown across a room, maybe doors being slammed or people giving each other the silent treatment or leaving for a long period of time. None of those are really healthy ways to resolve conflict, but that might be the way that you thought it was done because, well, because that's what you saw. Uh, maybe uh, there were, you grew up in an, in an environment where uh, there's a lot of alcohol or drugs or overeating or overspending or uh, just a whole list of different things, and and maybe you struggle with some of those things. Maybe you have an addiction that uh, you kind of almost inherited because of the environment you grew up in. Maybe uh, you have a long 
a family line of divorces. And when things get bad, people just have chosen to, you know, get divorced. That's how you handle when you have problems. And that's not a good thing. Or maybe um, you just grew up in a, in a poverty environment and nobody really learned how to be financially successful, but they have learned how to be poor and pass on behaviors that lead to poverty just because you don't know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and so there's this lack of maybe financial information that uh, you grow up, grew up in and maybe you're struggling financially and that might be an area that you want to see changed in your life. And so these are the things I'm talking about. Some of the things that we grew up with are good. Some of them are neutral. Some of them are bad. And I want to challenge us, you know, obviously to attack those bad things and to change our life, to change those things around. Because not only are you living out those patterns that we grew up with, but if you're a parent or a grandparent, you are actually now training your children and your grandchildren because of who you are. Whatever attitudes, whatever behaviors, you know, whatever things that you're dealing with, whether it's good or bad, whatever those things are, you are replicating right now in your family. So there's some motivation going on here. First of all, personal motivation for you to be healthy and happy, right? But the other motivation is for our legacy, that our future generations, we want to see them prosper and be healthy and happy and better, than we are. And so that's the idea of winning at home. We want to win at home. We don't want to just make it and survive. We want our kids to win. We want our grandkids to win. We want our legacy to win. But in order for those things to happen, we need to learn how to win ourselves, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And here's a premise. I want to see if you agree with this, okay? You are who you've been trained to be and will only change in the areas that you retrain yourself intentionally. So let me just say that again. You are who you are because you have been trained. And for you to change, the only thing that you're going to change, the only areas of your life that will be different are the areas that you intentionally decide to retrain yourself with some new patterns, new thoughts, new behaviors. Okay? Do you agree with that? If you do, uh, then there's, there's hope for change. If you don't, I'm not sure what to tell you because, uh, because if you don't believe that there's a possibility for change, um, then you're just going to continue to accept whatever hand has been dealt with you. But I want to encourage you, whatever hand has been dealt with you, you hold the trump card now because Jesus is the trump card and he came to heal us. He came to save us. He came to redeem us and he came to turn things around in our lives. He wants you to have an abundant life and he wants you to win and your family to win. Amen. All right. So, I mean, some people argue about this, this idea, but we have been trained by our environment, by life itself. You know, it's like if you said something when you're younger and, and uh, it was embarrassing and people laughed, you learned, oh, I'm not going to say that again. And if, uh, and if you got close to someone and then they hurt you, then you're making decisions in life saying, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. Right. And if you did something that got applauded or you won a trophy and that felt good to you, you're like, hey, I, 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 get, I get life now. If I do that, I feel good. People like me. I'll keep doing that, right? So we've been trained by life. We've been trained by our parents. We've been trained by circumstances and situations. But the Bible says we can actually be retrained and we ought to be, okay? So Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your mind, change your thoughts. Okay, it goes on to say, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. He is good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the standard uh, that we are changing toward is God's perfect standard because the patterns of this world do not work. The world's ways do not work. They are broken. And what the broken uh, patterns of this world produce is more brokenness. So if we have a broken pattern and we try to continue to use that pattern, it will only produce more brokenness. So we need to break the broken pattern (laughs) and replace it with God's perfect standard, right? Because when we replace it with God's perfect standard, we are accessing this abundant life that Jesus made possible for us. And that's what we want to see happen in our lives and in our family. It's, uh, it's amazing to me that how loyal sometimes we are to our family. In a, in, in a sense, that's a really good thing, but in the sense I'm about to talk about, it's not a good thing. Let me give you an example. I've heard so many times people say that, well, that's just who, who we are. That's our family. We're all just a bunch of hotheads, and that's just the way we roll. But what you're doing when you say things like that is you're saying, that's who we are, and that is my identity, and I'm not going to change. But actually, that's just a curse. That's just a broken pattern that was passed on to you. That is not who you are in Christ. You see, you have a stronger identity than your physical family line. You have a identity now in Christ that we need to conform to, not to the old patterns of the world, but to the new life of Christ. Other people might say, well, my family doesn't show love and get into all that emotional, touchy-feely stuff, right? Or you may have heard someone say something like, well, we don't talk about problems in our family. Those are just bad patterns, That's actually not who you guys are as a family. That's not who you are. Uh, That's who you are is a son and daughter of God learning to be like Christ and live in freedom and live in fullness and live in joy and produce peace and health. That's who you are. So there's just some reworking that needs to happen, right? There's some transformation, some renewing of the mind that needs to take place. And that's what we're going to do. So if we want to win at home, We need to learn God's patterns, not the world's patterns, right? So I'm going to go back to my question at the beginning. The second question I asked, what was broken or lacking or wrong or destructive in your family growing up that you have been affected by, you're still affected by, and you want to see that healed or fixed or added or changed or transformed? What is one thing, just one thing? There might be several things, but what is just one thing? What's the problem? That's the question. What's the problem that if you could see this one problem changed in you from your past, from your upbringing, you know it would have a positive ripple effect on the rest of your family, that it would make the family relationships even better? What is that one thing? Because that's, that's, I'm hoping and praying that that's coming from the Holy Spirit to you today. Because if he reveals something in your heart today through this message, that means he's with you and he wants to see you uh, and help you see that, that, that issue resolved in your life. That's exciting. That's really awesome that God is with us, reforming us into the image of his son. 
And so I want to talk about this uh, biblical example real quick. The Bible is filled with examples of legacy and how either the sins of the father were passed on to their sons and daughters, or even the blessing of the father was passed on to the sons and daughters. In this case, uh, we'll see both. So David was the second king of Israel. Then his son Solomon was really successful, obviously super wise and super rich, right? But towards the end of Solomon's days, the Bible tells us that Solomon began, his heart began to drift from the Lord. He, he began to, his faith began to slide off and he, he really got caught up in marrying a lot of women and he got caught up in, in the money and the power and his heart began to drift from God. Well, his son Rehoboam took over the throne and Rehoboam picked up where dad left off and it was not a good thing because he did not follow the Lord with his heart. The Bible says this in 2 Chronicles 12, 1, he abandoned the law of the Lord. So Rehoboam caught up with kind of dad's, you know, patterns of drifting from God and just continued that. It was almost like passed right into him. And he left the Lord and the kingdom of Israel was split under his lack of leadership, not leadership, lack of leadership. And so now we have a northern kingdom called Israel and a southern kingdom called uh, Judah. And so he was over Judah, Rehoboam. And it goes on to say in 2 Chronicles 12, 15, that there was continual warfare between Rehoboam, who was the king of Judah, and Jeroboam, who was the king of the northern kingdom, Israel. That's how his life ended. It was full of strife and warfare, and he was not blessed. He did not follow God. He didn't do what was right in God's eyes. So his son, his name was Abijah, Abijah. And in 1 Kings 15, 3, it says, Abijah committed all the sins his father had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. So he followed in the footsteps of, of his father, Rehoboam, and he committed the same sins. It was almost like generational sins just passed right on down because he just grew up in that environment of a hard heart towards God, pride, self-centeredness, ego, greed, whatever, whatever Rehoboam was displaying to his son, Abijah. At the end of Abijah's life, the Bible says it was summed up by this. There was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Is there any surprise? Exactly the same thing that summarized his dad's life. He repeated the same pattern. But aren't you glad that at any point in time, any person can change their legacy? And the son of Abijah, his name was Asa. And Asa decided enough's enough. I'm going in a different direction. His great-great-grandfather was David. And Asa, I don't know what doesn't tell us, you know, the conversation doesn't tell us what happened in his life. All we know is that Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Kings 15, 14, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. And it goes on to say he was like his father, David, although it wasn't his father, David, it was his great, great grandfather, David. But the Bible is saying that he had a heart like his great, great grandfather, David, and he served God with all of his heart. And while Asa was ruling the, the kingdom of Judah, he ruled for 41 years and he outlasted seven kings in the kingdom of Israel. He outlasted seven different kings. The Lord's blessing was upon him and God blessed him with long life, a long, healthy rule. And he had a son named Jehoshaphat. And of Jehoshaphat, the Bible says in 1 Kings twenty-two forty-three, 43, in everything, Jehoshaphat walked in the ways of his father Asa. And did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. 
Second Chronicles 20:30 says, "And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace." The, that's a complete different result than Rehoboam's life, Abijah's life, filled with war, filled with strife, uh, filled with a hard heart towards God, abandoning the ways of God, adopting the patterns of this world, led to chaos, led to war, uh, heartbreak. But Asa turned it around and his son Jehoshaphat reaped the benefit as he followed his dad's model, pleased God, served God, and it says, for God had given him rest on every side. Jehoshaphat enjoyed peace and rest. What kind of legacy do you want to leave for your family? A legacy of war and strife and anger, bitterness and brokenness, or a legacy like Jehoshaphat inherited of peace, of rest, that things can go well with our families. What's the key? That we give our whole heart to the Lord, right? That we learn the Lord's ways because His ways are perfect. His law is flawless. All of His uh, precepts, they lead to life and freedom and wholeness. So even in the way that we do family, even in the way that we live life, as we align ourselves with God's word, we will experience the same peace and blessing that God has for all of us. May God bless your life and your home with peace, not war. And so Deuteronomy 440 says, Moses is, is uh, talking on God's behalf and he says, keep his decrees and commands, which I'm giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you. You see that? So the commands of God are there to help us, to promote life in us, that it will go well with us and that it will go well with our children. And so that's the heart of this message today is that we would align ourselves with God's will so that not only we can be blessed, but our children and our grandchildren can be blessed, blessed as well. So I think it's interesting in James 4.1, it tells us what the source of our conflict is. James 4.1 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Have you ever had a fight or a quarrel at home? What causes these fights and quarrels? James says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? <laughs> Hold on, James. I thought it was the other person. I thought it was my wife. I thought it was my son. I thought it was my daughter. It's not me. Can't be me. <laughs> but James says, it's you. It's, it's the internal dialogue, right? It's the internal chaos. It's the internal fears and insecurities that causes quarrels and fights among us. So this message from this point to the end is not about how to fix somebody around you and your family, but how to let God heal you on the inside. Okay. Because when I asked, what's the problem? Maybe some of you said, she's the problem. Or some of you said, He's the problem. <laughs> They're the problem. And, and we're pointing at the people right around us. But the real answer is, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. And here's seven quick things. I, I don't want to take too much time in this. I'm just going to give you a quick list of what's going on on the inside here, okay? Where our quarrels and our conflicts come from. It comes from sin. Our internal hurts, our destructive thoughts, our soul wounds, our guilt, our bondage that creates problems. Number two, our pride, right? The need to be right, the need to be in power. Number three, selfishness. 
we, we just typically have a preoccupation with ourselves. We're only seeing things through our self-centered lenses. Number four, immaturity. Just a lack of concern and understanding of other people around us. We're just, uh, we're just uh, too immature sometimes. Number five, our upbringing, as I've mentioned. How we think, our family, our cultural upbringing and, and our views on, 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 world, that, on the world. That's our truth. Even though it may not be the truth, it's true to us because that's all we know, right? Number six, our gender, right? Men and women, we're different. We think different. We feel different. And a lot of times, you know, it's, we don't always understand each other on the same plane. And so that causes some issues. And number seven, unmet expectations, right? We can be disappointing one another. We might not have clear communication with each other. But this is just seven simple things that are probably causing some of the strife or turmoil. It's our sin, our pride, our selfish, selfishness, our immaturity, our gender, our upbringing, and maybe unmet expectations or bad communication. Now, whatever it is, it's a combination of all this stuff. I want to give you a real simple phrase to keep in mind as your first step for every time you're dealing with a conflict, okay? And it's this, look in and look up, okay? Look in means look inside of yourself. What's going on here? Why do I feel this way? Why is this making me mad? Why did this make me sad? Why did this hurt me? What's going on? And at the same time, we're looking up, we're looking up to God and saying, God, what's going on in me? What's, what's happening here? Why am I feeling this way? What do you want to show me? What do you want to do in me? How do you want to set me free, right? There's all of this conversation that we need to be doing, not outward, so we don't want to look out and blame. We don't want to look out and point fingers. We don't want to look out and assume the problem is always somebody else. We want to look in and look up, not look out. So just keep that in mind because God wants to do something inside of you to help you and to heal you and set you free so that you can be an overflowing blessing, okay? It's not the people around you. It's what's going on inside of you. So ask God what's going on inside of you. Now, just for a real quick side note, I want to go through three different words that are used in the Bible to describe sin because I think this might help us a little bit understand some of these things. Psalm 32, 5 um, uses three different words. It says, David's talking, he says, Then I acknowledged my sin, sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. There's the second word. I said, I will confess my transgressions, that's the third word, to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So we have sin, transgressions, iniquity. Now, real quick, sin basically is the general uh, word that's used for missing the mark or falling short of the glory of God. And we know, according to Romans 3.23, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. A lot of times it's unintentional. We just miss the mark. We don't know any better. We did something wrong. We didn't even know it. But it was still sin. It was still missing the mark, the best that God has for us. Right? Now, unchecked sin leads to transgressions and some bondage along the way. So when we, we, we learn that we've sinned, we want to repent. We want to uh, learn and grow and change, okay? We don't want to just, ah, oh, whatever, who cares, and just keep going because things will get worse for us. Because uh, sin, the Bible tells us, results in brokenness uh, to the degree, uh, ultimately, of death, death, all right? So now the second word, transgression, is a little bit more serious concept. Transgression 
It's kind of like, you know, you're on the edge of the woods and you see a sign that says, no trespassing, right? No trespassing. In fact, sometimes when we say the Lord's Prayer, we use that word trespass. Lord, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. So this is the very exact same idea of transgression is to know what the rule is and to read the sign and say, no trespassing and be like, eh, I'm doing it. And you go and you go across the line. You just cross the line. You climb the fence. There's a barrier. There's a law. And you say, ah, I'm doing it. Okay. That's a transgression. So that's a willful, intentional sin. It's transgression. Right? James 1, 14 and 15 says, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So there's a process that's going on here. There's sin, then there's a, if there's no repentance, then there's a transgression, there's this knowingly, sinning against God and against God's ways. And it begins to use, the Bible uses an analogy of a child growing. The sin is growing. And it's one day it's going to be birthed and it's going to produce its effects upon us. And that effect will be death and brokenness and, and bondage, right? So there's a process where sin just keeps growing if we don't repent, if we don't change. And the third and final stage here is the word iniquity. Iniquity. And iniquity means premeditated choice without repentance, and it leads to bondage, serious bondage, creates strongholds. Maybe you've heard the phrase generational curses. This is repeated sin, unrepented, unrepented sin that builds up and creates a distortion, a repro, uh, like a reprobate mind, uh, changes our perspectives. Um, in profound ways, and we become warped and depraved and bent towards sin. This is where a lot of us have experienced pain in our lives because of generational curses and iniquities. Really, the word in the scripture would be iniquities that have been passed down. A family line full of alcoholism, a family line full of just destructive anger, right? A family line filled with divorces, and you see these bentness, this, the, this iniquity that has infected a family line because no one has stood up and broken the chain. And if there's a chain and iniquity in your family line that you are suffering with, be the one. You be the one to break that chain because if you don't break it, you're passing it on. And it's like, I got this rope here. It's like, you got this rope and it, it might even be kind of like choking you. It might be hindering you. It might be tying you down like this, right? And, and that is literally what this word means. And Proverbs 5.22 says, the evil deeds, which is iniquities. This is the word iniquities in Hebrew. Of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. So when we sin, the Bible's saying we're 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 getting tied, we're getting tangled. And some of you, you know, you might be you, nothing really to do with how you decided to do anything, but you grew up in this environment and the, the circumstances or whatever you're dealing with, it's like all this sin is being passed on to you and you're being tied and you're being shackled and, and you're literally living life hampered, hindered, 
handicapped emotionally, mentally, spiritually because of the iniquities of your family line. And, and you know what? You have a choice. As soon as you see it, you can decide to, well, that's just, that's just, this is just how it is. This is just what, what our family's like. And this is just who I'm going to be. And, you know, I'm going to barely be able to breathe the rest of my life because of this pain and because of this pattern. But this is what it means to be a Hobson, you know, or you can say, man, it's time to get rid of this. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to change my mind, to align myself with God, to put my heart fully into God so I can find freedom and I can figure it out, get the help I need to get this iniquity, this chain, this rope, this cord off of my life and not put it on my children or my grandchildren anymore. And that's the idea of freedom. And the reason why I spend time on this is because a lot of us are living with these cords on us right now. Even though they're invisible to the naked eye, they are powerfully impacting you mentally, emotionally, and relationally. And, you know, we have these little phrases that we use from time to time, like, uh, you know, yanking their chain. And that can be like someone's joking with you, but it can also mean that they know that you've got this emotional issue. And if they say the right thing, they can get a rise out of you, right? Why? Because there's this invisible cord that's not so invisible. This chain that's not so invisible, right? That people know and pick up on because of our pain and the shallowness of our wound is so surfacey that as soon as someone touches it, there's a reaction. And God wants to set us free from those things. That's what Jesus came to do, to give us life and life to the full. And so that's why I'm bringing this stuff up because this is what real life is all about. Like getting real with each other and being honest with each other. And we have a gospel that can change our life. And so we're here to try to access that abundant life, right? So Proverbs 5.22 says, The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. They literally chain us. The cords of their sin holds them fast. So whenever there's sin or transgression or iniquity, our response needs to be quick to repent and cut off so that it doesn't gain any traction in our soul or in our family or in our life. Because all the devil wants to do is destroy you, bind you, limit you, curse you, hold you back. And uh, God wants you to run with freedom and love and joy and peace. So the Holy Spirit has equipped us to overcome sin, transgressions, and iniquities. That's the good news. Isaiah 53, verse 6 and 12 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Again, all three words are used in our redemption. So God forgives us of our sin. He forgives us of our transgressions. He sets us free from our iniquities. If we turn to him and repent, he can change our lives. He can set us free. So there's that tension that we live with, right, in our lives between having a pity party for all the bad things that have happened to us versus taking responsibility and saying, yeah, but I don't have to let that rule and reign in me the rest of my life. There's a tension. We all feel it. We all want to feel sorry for ourselves. We all want to point the finger. 
We all want to make excuses. And some of that's good. Some of that's necessary. We're in the sense that we have to, we have to see what happened and we have emotions and feelings and that's all fine. But then there's this tension of, we got to pivot at some point, right? Where we say, but I am not going to be defined by that. I'm going to be defined by Jesus. I'm going to find the freedom I need. I'm going to take the steps I need. I'm not going to be more loyal to the family generational curses than I am to what the word of God says is possible for me and for my children and my great-grandchildren and my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Can I get an amen from somebody? That's our true identity, right? And so we need to overcome the barriers of our hesitation to address the reality of our soul condition. And we need to just simply go to one another, be honest with each other, and say, this is, this is the reality I'm dealing with, and I want to be free. I want to be healed. I really encourage you, if you're really dealing with something like this, to come to our uh, Celebrate Recovery ministry here at the church. Get involved in CR, because that's exactly what they do together, is people are coming together, and they're working through things together, and it's a safe environment, it's a private environment, it's a, you can be, you can trust the people that are there, but they're coming together to help each other be who Christ has made us all to be. To get rid of our hurts, our hang-ups, you know, and be healed from all those pains and, and uh, habits of the past. So, here's my question as I wrap this message up for you. What if you did heal that hurt in your life? What if you did change that negative disposition that you were given when you were younger? What if you broke that addiction? What if you learned a healthy way of dealing with conflict? What if you really gave your faith to God, really developed your faith in God and committed your life to fully live for Him and get, got really engaged in the church and all that God has for you? What if you did those things? What if you address this issue of this problem that we've talked about today and you actually saw it resolved? What kind of impact would that have on you and your family? And I believe if God has put something on your heart today during this message, that he is saying to you, I'm with you and I'm ready to help you see this part of your life change forever to be transformed. As we close, I just want to give you a, a real simple idea of the process that you're going to need to go through. Freedom is different than forgiveness. First of all, if you ask God to forgive you, He forgives you of all your sin, all your transgressions, all your iniquities. We're not talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is by the grace of God. But forgiveness is different than freedom. Freedom takes retraining. Because we were trained in a crooked way that led to brokenness and pain and bondage and hurt. Now we need to be retrained in God's way and that takes time and it takes intention and it takes consistency and it usually takes other people to coach us, to help us and to encourage us. And so freedom is a process. Forgiveness, hey, that's, that's on the table right now. Freedom, uh, it's going to take a little bit of effort. You have to retrain your thinking, retrain your heart, retrain your mind, retrain your, your emotions. Find some healing in your soul and in your heart. So we need to recognize what the iniquity is. We need to recognize what God's truth is. We need to repent and change. 
We need to forgive and be forgiven. We need to seek God's healing. And through all of that, we need to be trained in the new way of doing life God's way. Well, if I close this message, I'm going to pray a blessing on you. And if you have something in mind that God brought to your heart, I want you to go with me right now to God with this issue. And let's pray together. Let's get this process started right now. Let's just say this together, okay? God, we come to you. And Lord, we know that we're not perfect. We know and we recognize this issue in our life today that you have brought back to our attention. We're, we're, we've been most likely not wanting to deal with this, God. We're either afraid or it's just too hurtful to us or it's too shameful for us to deal with. But God, it's, it's there. And Lord, in the privacy of our own heart right now, we come to you, Lord, and we put it on the table. And we say, God, we, we do want to see this resolved. We do want to see this change. So, Lord, we ask for your help. Holy Spirit, come upon us and lead us in this process of freedom that we can break off this iniquity, break off this chain and change our hearts, be healed, be made whole, walk in truth, and then experience your love, your joy, your peace, and your freedom so we can pass that life on, that life of freedom and wholeness to our family members and our friends around us. So now, Lord, we repent. We repent, God, from not living life your way, from not following your way, uh, the world's ways, the world's patterns, the, these ways that we have lived out are broken. They're wrong. They've hurt us. They've caused pain in us and they've caused hurt and pain to others. So God, we repent and we turn to you. We change our mind and we embrace your way and your truth in this area of our lives. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you teach us and train us in this godliness, in this godly way of living. And Lord, I just thank you for each one watching today. Lord, just bless them and fill them with your love and your peace right now. Give them the assurance that you are with them, you're for them, you've forgiven them, and you finish what you start. So God, finish the work you've started in each one of our lives and hearts. And we love you and thank you for this day. Pray that this week will be a week that we gain ground in this area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Can't wait to see you again. Just want to encourage you as soon as you feel safe and secure, come on. We're doing services here at 10 a.m. at the church. It's so good to see the people that are coming and able to come. We also do have a face mask section. Uh, if you feel like you would like to uh, come and wear a face mask, we have an area in our, our seating where it's just for those who are wearing face masks and it's socially distanced. Uh, if you can come and join us, love to see you soon. Uh, but let me finish with the blessing of the Lord for all of us, okay? And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.